0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to check in. Our weekly visit with Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Use all of in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. I am curious uh, if you think a loss like BYU just went through feels different. Just getting physically dominated at the line of scrimmage, as opposed to a Boise State game where you're thinking, "Man, made a you know yeah. three mistakes with three fumbles." I'll even set that fourth interception aside because the game could have been a very different. Point with two minutes to go, and maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know those fumbles; we could have that could have been really different. Whereas the Baylor game, man, you're getting on the bus afterwards, and you're thinking 300 yards rushing, and our star running back yeah. only ran for 33 yards. Ah, so I'm just wondering what you think the team is thinking and feeling, and how that impacts them going forward.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, that, that's definitely a tough one, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you you know have so much confidence in kind of the power right behind the offensive Um, but to see it go down that way you start to kind of rethink and you know kind of reevaluate what type of strength and power you have against top tier teams right Um, and what's the difference between the first part of the season and yes we can sit here and talk about well it's early in the season it's all these different things but you know personally that the difference really has been kind of that strength and that overpower and the the confidence that the defensive line and that box had and I don't know if that's a loss because of Keenan Peely or, or what the deal is there but um, that was a uh, that was a different ball game and a different football team that we saw Saturday.
2: Yeah I think that Peely injury the season ender I think he suffered it against ASU if I remember correctly that's that's I I don't think it's been underreported because uh, I believe he was their best defensive player. I mean, they've got Will Mm -hmm. Garland, some other guys are really good, but I think he was their best. And you don't replace your best because he is your best. But nevertheless, this is football, so they've got to find ways to step up from these other guys. Now, maybe they can get better with they have more experience, but what's your confidence level that the defense can rebound? Because, I mean, they got thrashed by Baylor.
1: Yeah, and, and I do. I, I do have a ton of confidence. And even looking at the, the rest of that injury report, and you look at, you know, uh, you look at Zoe Palatea uh, being out and kind of that, that spirit of the defensive line, right, and what he brings to the table and the energy that he brings uh, for the defense is huge. And so when you look at the loss of those two players, you're kind of, just like you said, right, the difference between being a top-tier team is the depth that you have to replace those types of injuries. And so if those, if those, if the depth isn't there, right, then where do you fall among the rest of college football? And so, um, you know, I think over time, right, in terms of growth and in terms of what the future looks like for BYU, like I said from the very beginning, the recruiting classes aren't going to get worse by any means. They're only going to get better. Uh, and so I think what you're going to see over the next few years is that talent continue to develop and that depth continue where there isn't this talent gap, you know, for get experience, but there isn't this talent gap between, you know, the first and second level guys uh, in that, in that box.
0: So Kalani's talked a lot about the depth of this team being better. And I think that uh, big picture, that's probably true. But then when you start breaking it down by position group, it isn't, true for every position group certainly not to the same level right we know they've got two quarterbacks we know there's depth at wide receiver now the O-line has had guys coming and going and certainly BYU did not run the ball the way we expected do you how much faith do you have in the depth of the O-line are there specific guys that can't be replaced the way Peely can't he's just too good you're not going to have another Peely coming off the bench you're just not
1: and I Right. Exactly. And and I think that goes off of age, right? And who's, you know, what is the depth of this team in regards to how many young players are involved that, that may be seasoned and, and they might be juniors and some may even be seniors, but the depth goes back to, you know, true freshmen, right? Uh, that's who we're going out there with. And so you have, you, you have to understand that you have to give those guys time. Um, And when Kalani talks about the depth being better, I mean, if you look at even where we were in 2018, right, when this staff really just started to kind of ramp things up, the depth wasn't – like, we didn't have the depth at starters, right? Like, our first 22 guys that were out on the field weren't as good as some of the second deep guys or the two deep guys that BYU has today. And so if you look at where the depth is in comparison and where that growth has come from is – is huge is is incredibly different. Um, now it's just a matter of continuing to build upon that and, and getting the guys that you know we need to be able to develop, not just a couple positions too deep, but every position too deep, and now preparing to get the three deep uh, in a you know in in, in top tier talent.
2: So, Dylan, if I remember correctly, my timeline is right. You played for Nick Rolovich in Hawaii, did you not? Uh huh, I did. Right, so this is a wild, wild story. Uh, what do you know of him? What can you tell us about him as far as uh, are you surprised by all this?
1: Um, I've obviously had a, a, a lot of time to think about this, right? Since, since the report first came out that he was in this situation, um, and then just talking to teammates throughout the weeks uh, on, you know, what the different opinions and different reactions are. And then even last night when the the news broke, having conversations with teammates. And, you know, um, if there's one thing about Rolo, right, he he is a player's first guy. And I think you've seen that in the reaction from the Washington State players, right? Now, my first two years with Rolo were his first two years as a head coach in college football. And so you saw a lot of learning, a lot of growth, um, and a lot of areas where you kind of say, okay, like, yep, this is the effects of being a new head coach. Uh, To see the reaction of his players, right, and really just the devastation proves out that over the last few years, he's done nothing but continue to grow in regards to being a head coach, but as well as building relationships and building the character of these players. And so, you know, uh, that's where this type of thing becomes very difficult because, you know, you look at the choices that were made because it obviously is a choice, right? And I have no qualms with whatever choice anybody wants to make, right? You have that freedom to choose. But when you look at the adverse effect of what this may do to some of those kids that literally had – Zero opportunity, right? And now, based off the experience that I've had with Rolo, right? Now have a world of confidence and a world of potential to go out and really have faith in themselves to go achieve what they want, right? Um, is is huge, and so uh, you know, once again, right? You got you got the freedom to choose, and, and I respect his decision. And we, when he makes decisions, he's going to stick. You know, he's going to stick with those decisions. Um, and if he feels it's for the best, right? Then it, it's for the best for him and his family. Uh, but you got to look at what what these players are about to go through, especially in the change um, and, and losing him as kind of their their lighthouse uh, as as the leader. So uh, you know, it, it's obviously a tough tough experience for them specifically.
0: So the O line coach is out. The uh, co-offensive yep. coordinator slash quarterback's coach is out. The head coach is out. That's on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, bolo right. has got the right. offensive background. So I'm curious for the BYU defense, how much do you think of what they see on film is going to apply? I think it's most of it. And then in-game adjustments, that would seem to be really hard for Washington State if the Cougar defense can get the upper hand that would be more important than usual, I would think, if you can get the upper hand and get a lead. Uh, do you buy all that?
1: Yeah. There's, there's two there's two parts of that, right? You, you have the first part being what type of adjustments can be made. The beautiful thing about Rolo's offense is that really everything is player-based. It's extremely simple to learn. It's extremely simple to understand as you begin to understand the game of football, right? And so the way that the offense is taught in terms of formations, in terms of play calls, in terms of adjustments, it's all based off of coverage. There's almost zero communication with the coaches during an actual game, right? You're going to get the signal, which is, you know, to be honest with you, right? We could open up the playbook right now at Washington State. You're going to see four different, uh, you're going to see two different types, right? You're going to see a lot of 12. You're going to see a lot of 11, a lot of 10. uh, And then you're going to see about four different formations that are based off of a number call. And that's it, right? Everything else is going to be an RPO base, and that is going to be contingent on what the defense is showing you. And the quarterback has the ability to change all of that at the line without zero kind of recognition or confirmation from the coach. And so the ability to run that offense is going to be very simple for them. Now, you look at the core base, right? What happens in a game when an offensive line is getting beat up, right? You have that ability to kind of regroup with your coach. Uh, You have the ability to kind of find your way and and go back to the offensive line coach like Weber and gain that type of confidence. But unfortunately, he's not going to be there. And so if BYU is able to bring that pressure and bring the heat and, you know, play a much more physical game than they played this last Saturday, then they should be able to put this to rest very quickly, right? Um, and and I just don't see there being much opportunity for a team like Washington State, in this type of situation they're in, to find any type of momentum with the amount of coaches that are gone, especially with Rolo. Well,
2: why do you say especially Rolo as opposed to the assistants?
1: Because I guess Rolo has a much, much more involved football scheme than most head coaches you'll see, right? Uh, When it comes to the football, the only chance and the only ability that Rolo has to be extremely successful is when he is actually touching the offense. If he takes that bystander look and says, hey, I trust my guys, right? I trust the passing game coordinator. I trust the run game coordinator to run this offense. uh, The effects, they're they're not there, right? They don't have the level of comprehension that Rolo does. Nick Rolovich is one of the most dynamic offensive minds in the game of football. That dude is, um, like, brainiac smart when it comes to football. And so you know, that's his passion, that's his, that is his strength. And so if he isn't a key part of that, then you're not going to be, the the success isn't surrounded by him. I can, I can promise you that. The success really stands, starts and is you know, kind of the momentum is gained through him and everybody else just kind of has a small finger in what that success looks like on that staff.
0: Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver, so coaches will always say well, we worry about us, you know it's 80-90% about what we do, it's 10-20% or 20% of preparing for the opponent. As you, as a, as an alum, get ready to watch this game, are you more worried about BYU figuring out what went wrong the last two weeks or are you more trying to figure out what the heck is Wazoo going to do? This is a crazy story to have happening after seven yeah. games in a 12-game season.
1: Yeah, it, it's if BYU gets lost in the story of Wazoo, right, they're going to find themselves in a pickle halfway through the second quarter. Uh, This is really an opportunity for BYU to flip the switch and carry out the rest of the season with some momentum uh, to kind of build, to grow, to get ready for, you know, obviously we all know contractually going to the Independence Bowl, right, to be able to finish out the season – you know, hopefully, run the table. You have a few games in front of you that can be real difference makers. As in, you know, as it pertains to power five teams, you have the opportunity to go and win a ball game, and then you come back and you get a lot of your guys back, uh, and you use this as kind of a stepping stone to what greatness could be like for for next season. Um, and that's that's huge. But if you get lost in the sauce, right, you're going to find yourself in a, a bit of a pickle.
0: Well, that could lead to a three-game losing streak, and that would wreck all the good vibes from 5-0 and to open the season. So, big game Saturday afternoon on the Palouse.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, Dylan, well, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking BYU football, and thanks for uh, explaining Rolo, having played for him for a couple of years. We appreciate it. Hey,
1: no worries. You guys have a
0: good one. Dylan Conley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Don't get lost in the sauce, PK.
2: He seems to think the loss of Rolovich is massive. Now he played for him for two years, and so he knows him better than anybody we could have on the air Uh, when he was there. You're gonna play for a coach for two years, and you're obviously gonna come away from uh, from that experience with a lot of uh, emotion and knowledge and all that stuff. And he's calling him a brainiac offensively. Uh, You know we we've heard that. But he didn't hear it. He saw it. And so that makes me think a little bit differently. You know, I said earlier, maybe he can galvanize these guys. But he's acting as if it's a major loss, more than the several assistants.
0: Well, one thing I saw this morning is that Stutzman, the co-OC who was like, go, he actually had taken over play calling responsibilities in recent weeks. So you just lost your p- offensive play caller as well as the head coach. Yeah. So... But maybe that's minimized because the quarterback has so much of a say at the line of scrimmage well, and they got a quarterback who's been playing well. And Del- yes, yeah. and Delora was coached by June Jones who is one of the originators of this offense. He's been coached by him since he was a uh, literally a freshman in high school in this offense.
2: And that's June Jones the 3rd. The 3rd. Okay. Yes. Because his grandfather was the original June Jones, and his father was June Jones the second. Very few people know that. So you wonder why do you come to the zone in the mornings? Because I'm the guy who could tell you that June Jones the third. That there's two other June Jones that preceded him. You're not going to get that information for very many people, but you're going to get it right here. June Jones the third, JJ three. See what I'm saying? Unfortunately, I do. Because June is coaching in Hawaii, and obviously he was a legendary coach, took them to the what, the Sugar Bowl? Yep. And then... They got worked by Georgia. Yeah. But they were there. Well, they played like four 1AA uh, teams that year to get there? <laughs> 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 whoever, whoever will come out to Hawaii. <laughs> but they got they got there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Dolores is a spectacular player, and he's a gunslinger. So you, you don't know what you're going to get. You can get good... Delora, you get bad, Delora. It's up to the Cougars, the BYU Cougars, to make sure they get bad, Delora, because he can pick you apart. There's no doubt about that. For me, who doesn't really care who wins and just wants to be entertained, I like watching that kid play. Coming up next, Frank
0: Dolce, Ute Insider Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He is next as the Utes get ready for a big game at Oregon State. Stay with us.